Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon. Guys, I am very, very happy to get this fella on the show. He is a gentleman with 20 plus years now experience in the coaching and fitness industry. Um, He has helped thousands of people lose tens of thousands of pounds and now is the owner of Limitless Legacy and Wellness. Please welcome the show, Cliff Brooks. Welcome, Cliff. Well, thank you. Please be here. Thank you for inviting me on. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm glad that uh, that you could make it for those uh, for those people that don't know you. If you go to to, to uh, Cliff's socials and check out his profile picture, it's got him in a suit, and then it's got him half out of a suit, and then it's got him fully shirtless. And the guy is just an absolute beast. Um, Cliff, tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, what you do, sir. Uh, well, who I am. I'll tell you about what I do, but then I can give you a backstory on how I got here. Yes, please. Yeah. So my name's Cliff Brooks. I own a company called Limitless Unlock Your Potential. And the actual program that I use is called Limitless Legacy Wellness. And the reason why I have that is because how many people do you hear talking about legacy wealth all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Especially in the entrepreneur space. Right, right. How many people have you ever heard talk about legacy health? Oof. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's a lot rarer. It's a lot rarer. It is, and that's what I want to bring attention to. And because I want to help create a culture of generational health for your loved ones. Because, you know, I started in health and fitness, and I went full-time when my dad died of a stroke. Oh. He was only 56 years old. Mm-hmm. He, um, the doctor told him that he needed to, he needed to lose about 20 pounds, 20 to 30 pounds. And he always told us, you know what? I'll start eating better tomorrow. I'll mm-hmm. start working out on Monday. And we all know that tomorrow is the mythical place where nothing ever happens. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's what I call it. <laughs> so he no, always right. told us that because his diet was Pizza Hut, Popeyes, Little Debbie snack cakes, and he drank Pepsi all the time. Ah, man. In college, he used to play football. He ran track, played football. Then he was a Special Forces Army Ranger. Mm -hmm. When he got out of the military, he went back to Philadelphia. He was a cop for a year and was like, I don't want to get shot at home after I just got back from the war, so I'm going to get a job doing something else in the government. Right. So he ended up getting a job with the Federal Aviation Administration. So he sat behind a desk for 30 years, and his his diet deteriorated. His lifestyle became very sedentary. And all of this caused him to gain the weight, and then he ended up having a stroke. And the stroke was in his brainstem. Mm-hmm. Your brainstem is where all your involuntary bodily functions are regulated, your circulatory system, your respiratory system, just to name a few. Mm-hmm. So when he had his stroke, we went to go see him, at in the emergency room he was in the icu and when we got there he had a ventilator tube in his mouth he couldn't talk and we could see that he this the fear in his eye we could see that he was scared and he knew that this was it because his body was shaking he was twitching 
but he was able to grab a pen and somehow write a DNR on a napkin, which a do not resuscitate. Right, order. right. So the doctors tried to tell us that, you know what, it looks better. He's not having any more strokes. The convulsions are starting to get better. Uh, we're going to keep him in ICU, and then we're going to keep you updated. We're like, okay, so we were there with him all day, and then they sent us home with, under the impression that he was going to get better. Three days later, when I was actually on my way to go up there later that day, my phone rings at 3.30 in the morning, and you know that nothing never good, a good time. happened to me. Mm-hmm. And it was my sister telling me that our dad had a, a second catastrophic stroke and he had died and passed away. Wow. And I'm named after my dad. So every time I hear my name, I think of him. Wow. I love him and I miss him every day. He was my best friend. But at the same time, I'm so mad at him for, for not changing his lifestyle, for not for not we're starting to work out and eat better the simple things that the doctor told him that that if he did that he could still be here today and because he's not as much as i love him and as much as i miss him i'm so pissed off at him that he's not here that he never got to meet my niece and my nephew he'll never get to meet my children there's days that i'll never be able to pick up the phone and call him just to see how he's doing Damn. by a simple decision that he could have could potentially still be here and the reason why my whole business is centered around helping parents and you know how they tell you when you go into business you have to pick a, an ideal client an avatar whoever mm-hmm. you want to work with yeah yeah well for me it took me years to figure it out but the person that i want to help the person that i want to save are the little kids because when a parent decides to have a family that's their decision. The child, the child did not ask to be born. So to me, I believe it's the parent's 100% responsibility to be there for them, to be there to guide them, to raise them, to be a productive member of society. And the little kids, they don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. And I hate to see a child suffer and not have mom or dad come home. And they're too young. They don't understand. All they're going to ask is, why isn't mom here? Why isn't dad here? Are they mad at me? So to spare those kids the same pain that I went through, they are my ideal client. But for me to help them, I have to help mom and dad. I have to help the busy professional who thinks that they don't have time to work out and eat right. To think that they're too busy. Because my dad, he thought that he was too busy. And he had a, he worked for the government. He had a business as a photographer. So he was always doing something. Right. And because he was so busy, getting busy, being busy, caught up in his life, in the everyday hustle and bustle, everything that he was doing was to try to improve and make life better. And he ended Mm -hmm. up losing his life because he didn't respect the life that he had. Man, this is so powerful, Cliff. Um, I'm actually going to um, send this one specifically to my dad. Um, you know, he's he's getting up in age. He's, he's late 60s. Uh, and he, he needs to hear some of this stuff. Um, you know, he carries a little extra weight. He, he enjoys a drink pretty much every day. And I, you know, I'm, I'm blessed that I still got both my parents. But I, I feel how 
heavy this last weighed on you and, and how much it's impacted your your entire career so i will be sending this episode uh, straight to him once it's done man that's uh, super powerful and thank thank you for sharing um dude what's what's like the most common thing that you see parents doing is it just an excuse that they don't have time to take care of this or do you think maybe it's just exhaustion from being a parent or why why do you think they they let it get this this bad because here's what i've learned over the years mom guilt and dad guilt they feel as if though if they take time away from their kids because they're small that they're going to miss something mm-hmm. that they're not going to be able to to see the very first thing that their child does right but you know what is more powerful to that child? Being a being around for their parents to see what their children do. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people think it's selfish to take time away from their kids when they could be there watching them grow up and doing these things with them. But it's actually selfless when you take the time to eat properly, when you take the time to, to take care of yourself and work out. Because... I mean, as much of a cliche as it is, you cannot pour from an empty cup. So how are you supposed to pour into your family to show them how to be the best that they can be if they look at you and you're not even doing that? Mm-hmm. Because little eyes are always watching. And it doesn't matter what parents say, their kids are going to be taught by what they do because actions speak so much louder than words that the kids aren't even going to be able to hear the words coming out of your mouth. No, I do. I agree a, a, a thousand percent, man. It's so important to lead from the front, especially with kids. Um, I, I've got two little ones, and they watch every single thing I do, and I, I don't realize it half the time. You know, they listen to more conversations than you think they listen to as well. You know, they're all up in everything. Mm-hmm. So how much of this, because like every parent I know, right, we all know to eat right. We all know to work out occasionally maybe semi-often but is do you think it's more of a mindset shift than an actual lack of knowledge and what is it do you do with clients minds to help them get over that and get into that routine well you know here's what a lot of parents say they either tell me one of two things number one is I'm too busy which is the number one thing I hear the number two thing is I know what to do but I'm just not doing it. Mm. So the too busy thing is we cre- we make time for what we want to do. Absolutely. If you have, if your child is going to go to, let's say they're going to a sporting event and you want to make sure that you're there for that, you will be there for that. Yeah. Let's say that you're making your kid breakfast in the morning. How much more difficult is it for you to make a healthy breakfast for you and your child at the same time? You know, I hear parents tell me all the time, my kid's such a picky eater. Really? How old is your child? <laughs> your child is eight years old. Okay, so your child is a picky eater because, number one, they have a job and they have money that they can go drive themselves to the store mm-hmm. and buy the food that makes them a picky eater. It's really what you've allowed your child to do. Yeah. And, you know, some people look at me and they're like, well, you're not a parent. You wouldn't understand. Well, I've worked with literally thousands of parents. And the reason why they're the demographic I want to work, I want to work with mm-hmm. is because I know what it's like to not have a parent to come home to. 
So I understand, not personally, but through working with thousands of people, how they structure their life, how we can help them to plan their day so they can get these things in, still have time to spend with their children, have time to spend with their significant other, have time for work, and even have time for a social life. Because That's a, that's a lot. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And the thing is, so many people like to think that if I use a schedule, it means that I'm restricting myself and they can't do as much. Wow. But if you how to use a schedule and you plan your day and you are you're the CEO of your own life and you show up with every meeting that you set for yourself you are actually going to have so much more freedom to do the things that you want to do as opposed to I don't know I got caught up in work and then I my I didn't stop in time to make this event I didn't stop in time mm -hmm. for dinner I know what it's like because I get busy too but yeah. the thing is if you are intentional about the time that you spend during the day, mm -hmm. then you are able to get more accomplished during the day. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, having and maintaining a calendar has just been absolutely just, I, you know, life changing gets thrown around far too much, but I am in complete control of my time. And most of the time, my heavy lifting at work and my workout um, are all completed by lunchtime. And then like, so we're recording this and it's, uh, it's 1.15 in the afternoon, podcasting is my fun bit. You know, I get to do, but I've done all my heavy lifting for the day, you know? So I got my workout in, I got all my heavy work done, and now I get to, to podcast in the afternoons, and this is how I managed to get so much done, is by front-loading the day. But that's, again, that's something I learned through coaching and through being in uh, the Apex Network and through picking it up from other successful guys was like, get that schedule dialed in and use it, use it as a tool. It's not like a... a it's not like handcuffs, man. It, it literally, when you start stacking stuff up, you realize just how much wasted time there is that you can do other stuff with, you know? Absolutely. So let's talk for a little bit um, about the origin story of Cliff, um, because you don't make it 20 years as an entrepreneur without a few speed bumps in the road. Now, did was it after your father's passing that you started in uh, your own business or did you have something going on before that? Tell us a little bit about how you got started in this world. When I was a kid, I used to go cut grass and I was <laughs> out hustling. But that's it. That's one of my questions on my sheet right here. It says, what were you like as a kid? You want me to just ask that one? <laughs> hey, man, I was a little skinny kid. My, right. I, was, I was born six weeks early. I spent the first month of my life in an incubator. I was such a small child that my mother didn't want me to play any sports wow. because she thought I was going to get hurt. So at 11 years old, 11 years old is when I started working out. Push-ups, sit-ups, and squats. A hundred of each before school, a hundred of each before I went to bed at night. Oh, wow. after, after about a year and a half of that, my dad told me that he saw, knew what I was doing. I thought I was being secretive about it. Mm -hmm. And he bought me a set of dumbbells. So mm -hmm. I started using that. And he showed me how to use them. And then by the time I was 13, going at Christmas time when I was 13, mm -hmm. going into high school, I thought I was going to be picked on and bullied and thrown into a locker because, you know, you hear horror stories. Right, and since right. I'm a small kid, back then I was probably about five foot three, maybe 120 pounds. I was tiny. Mm -hmm. And when I got, I asked him for a, a weight set for Christmas. So between Christmas and freshman year, I ended up get growing about three or four inches, but I put on 30 pounds. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So going into high school, 
all of my friends were like, what the hell happened to you? What were you doing? Well, while all of you guys are playing video games and, and doing stupid stuff, I was reading muscle magazines. I was looking stuff up online. I was learning how to, to change because I was so afraid of being bullied that I needed to do something to change my life. Wow. Wow. And you had that in you at 13. Man, I just got bullied, so I didn't, I didn't have it in me to figure out going to the gym. I just tried to figure out where to hide, you know? Well, I got to the point, I, I didn't want that to happen. I heard horror stories. So going into freshman year, all of a sudden, I had a, a small growth spurt. I got bigger. And that's, I was 14 years old going into freshman year. And when my friends saw what I looked like going into football practice, I started training my friends when I was 14 years old. Wow. I'm 44 years old now. So it's 30 years I have been training people. Damn. But I started taking money for it. When I was 21. That, so you were a little hustler all through high school? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did. I had jobs for different things that I did. Um, I had a job for my marketing class. So I worked at a movie theater. So uh -huh. I started off slinging popcorn <laughs> from behind this concession stand. Got promoted to a supervisor, to a projection super, projections manager. And then I was... Um, recruited by another theater company to go to St. Louis and help a buddy of mine open a theater out in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. I met the district manager and the district manager liked me and he wanted me to go to Lake Tahoe, California with him. He was going to be the regional manager, but my friend, he decided to quit and I got stuck in St. Louis. And they told me that if I was there for two years, then I'd be able to pick wherever I wanted to go. Great. I'm going to Lake Tahoe. I was there for two years, or actually two and a half, almost three years, and they told me that I did such a good job, they wanted to keep me in the middle of the United States oh, with man. nothing around. Uh, and I was like, this is not what I signed up for. And then I moved back to Virginia, and when I moved back to Virginia, I got a job bartending, and this is where my drinking got way out of control. How old were you? I was 22 when I moved back to Virginia, 21 and 22. That's about um, the time it's. That's about the time it starts to go bad. You know, you got a little bit of money, you got a place to live, and you're you're working in the bar. You know, because I, uh, I was I was about the same age when mine started to get uh, started to get you know up there a little bit. You know. Yeah. So it was fun. Don't get me wrong. I, it was a lot of fun, but <laughs> at the same time, I got in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we. I'm. I'm grateful that social media wasn't around back then, because uh, yeah, it would have been. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> These poor kids nowadays. Everything's recorded. I'm just, I'm glad some of that's lost to history, but again, it was fun. But you know, a lot of mine is lost to blackouts. <laughs> mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, now you've been uh, you've been sober for a very long time, and we'll, we'll get to that here in a minute. How did uh, how did the whole drinking thing work out for you though? Uh, when when did you realize it was it was a problem? Well, I got my first DUIs at work. I used to, I bartended at TGI Fridays. Okay. I got my first DUI working at TGI Fridays and it was the night before Thanksgiving. So I got arrested Damn. and then Thanksgiving dinner, guess who was the topic of conversation? Well, they, you wouldn't be, I'm, I'm, I'm not super familiar, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to bail out then, would you? You'd still be in jail for Thanksgiving, right? 
Well, it was a night before Thanksgiving, so it's like Thanksgiving Eve. Uh-huh. It was the big. It's one of the biggest drinking nights. Yeah. Because everybody's in town. Everybody's home. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got wasted, and I was maybe 500 feet away from my house, and I got pulled over, and I went to jail. Man. Then six months later, when I was on probation from getting the DUI. I was drinking when I shouldn't have been, and I followed my drunk friend home because he wouldn't, because he wouldn't give up his keys. And I was like, "All right, I'm gonna follow you." And then I got pulled over on my way home because the cop told me that he saw me speed past 7-Eleven, but I was in 7-Eleven. And for my alcoholic brain was like, "The cop lied. It wasn't my fault." No, had I not been drinking that night, I would have gone home mm-hmm. and I wouldn't have had a problem. Right. But it took many, many years to figure that out. So that was two DUIs within six months of each other. Oof. Five years later, I got my third. And then before I turned 30, from the ages of 21, 22 to 30, I got my fourth DUI. Oh, wow. Are they, are they a lot stricter the fourth time around? Well, they were a lot, a lot less strict back then, when 20 years ago, when I got them. Mm-hmm. So... Hey, the way that that worked out is I got lucky. I had a very good lawyer. I spent a whole lot of money on him, mm-hmm. and I did not end up going to jail. I didn't get a – well, I went to jail, but I didn't get the felony that you're supposed to get. I was convicted of three DUI seconds. So my attorney, when I got pulled over for the fourth one, the cop told me I was going to go to prison for three years. And this right. was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And somehow, I got bailed out that night by my roommate, and then when I ended up going to court after it was continued for like a year and a half, by the time I made it to court, my attorney was fraternity brothers with another, with a prosecuting attorney. So instead of going to prison and all that stuff, I actually got to spend 90 days in jail over the summer, but I was in the work release program, and that's the extent of my jail time but i lost my license for 10 years and it cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah wow all from just making a couple of wrong decisions while you were drinking huh oh no i made thousands of wrong decisions i got caught four times (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so you know like statute of limitations is long expired on on the shit i did um but um in in Europe, growing up, drink driving was was far more taboo. So it was hammered into me never to to drink and drive. And even though I did it, you could probably count the number of times I did it on one hand. Uh, and I got very lucky; I was never caught. But you know, they say there, but for the grace of God, go I. Um, luckily for me, it's a much more taboo thing in Europe to like. I remember drinking in Texas twenty years ago and. I'd come back to pick my car up the next day and there'd be no cars in the parking lot at the bar. I'm like, well, how did all these guys get home? <laughs> you know, I was a little bit, uh, a little bit naive as to the culture. Well, I'm telling you, it was, it was a rough time in my life. But, you know, you learn from all the mistakes that you make and everything that you did made me the man who I am today. All the lessons that I've learned, all the pain that I went through, it was, it was rough. But I made it through, and now when I tell people that you can absolutely change your life, you can lose the weight, you can create the lifestyle that you want, you can do what anything you want if you really want to change. 
And they know that when I tell them that, I, I really mean it because I'll, I'm very open about the stories that happened to me and what I went through and how it was so difficult for me to change. And this is, they know that I'm telling them the truth. Mm-hmm. And even after the fourth DUI, I still kept drinking when I got out. I didn't quit wow. then. Wow. So what was it that finally, like, was the catalyst? Was, it, was there a, a trigger moment where something just snapped and said, you know what, that's it, I'm done? There were actually two things that did that. The first one was I didn't have a a way of getting around and I didn't want to ask my friends for rides. Mm -hmm. You know, the little tiny motor scooters that people (laughs) that people ride around on now. Well, I bought one of those. I'm a 225 pounds. I didn't exactly fit on that. And it was embarrassing. And I had to ride one of those in the snow, in the rain, 100 degree temperature, zero degree temperature. And after doing that for like for years, I was just like, I can't stop doing this. And then I kind of tried to control my drinking. Mm -hmm. So what I ended up doing was I was working for a a network marketing company. I was selling shakes. That's how I first got started doing stuff. This was years ago. Okay. Probably seven, eight years ago now. And I would have one drink whenever we went out of town for business. So when we went out of town, we would have maybe one thing every quarter. So I would have one drink the first year. I was like, okay, cool. I can handle it. Second year, I had two drinks and pushed it. Third mm-hmm. year, I had three drinks and pushed it. Fourth year, I had a fourth. I had a final blackout in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, became, I had friends all over the United States, and I met one of them at the bar, and we just kept taking shots and shots and shots, and I remember nothing. I was stumbling around a strange city, St. Patrick's Day weekend. St. Patrick's Day is my sobriety day because the party was the night before and St. Patrick's Day I woke up and said I'm never drinking again. But I was stumbling around the city and I could have been run over by a car, I could have been robbed, I could have ended up in jail, I could have been shot. Anything could have happened because I had no idea, no no memory at all of what was going on. Mm -hmm. And I somehow made it back to the hotel room and I was throwing up all night long. And I missed the event that I was there for. So, yeah, they kicked us out of the hotel room. We had a late checkout. The event ended at maybe like 4 o'clock. I finally got over to it at like 2.30, 3 o'clock. And I sat there in the back of the room like, oh, my God, I'm dying. (laughs) I was like, I'll never drink again. And how many times have people said that to themselves? Oh, that was the worst night. I'm never drinking again. Yeah, but did you go to this time you go to these events now and there's uh, there's little companies have IVs in the back that are rehydrating people that are hung over. I think it's a fantastic marketing. Um, but yeah. again, I go to the events and you pay a lot of money to get in the room and, and you know you see the guys that, that party too hard and you, you kind of feel bad for them because they're not getting anything out of the event. You know, they're not getting anything out of the network and they're just getting remembered. And you don't realize when you're the one drinking that you're getting remembered in the room as the drunk you don't realize until yeah. afterwards uh guys if, if you're still doing that if you're still doing the convention circuit and getting hammered every evening maybe uh maybe consider slowing down <laughs> switching out some of those whiskeys so <clears throat> but uh let's yeah, uh <laughs> let's pivot here a minute cliff i want you to talk to me about limitless because you were selling shakes at one point you said eight nine years ago and um, 
you know now you're uh, now you're now you're coaching and it's a lot more than just health and fitness too it's the the entire mindset relationships career stuff so talk me through a little bit of how you went from selling shakes and, and training your friends here and there into actually doing what you're doing now for a living so the when i was doing the the shake company i was one of the top producers in the company mm-hmm. um so we would sell the shakes, but then it was my job. I took went above and beyond, and I actually wrote people meal plans. I wrote people workout plans and coached them like that instead of just sending them the shakes and telling them good luck. Right. So at any point, I would have between 50 and 125 clients each month. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at what the money that I was bringing in from selling the shakes versus what I could make if I just worked with these clients alone. Right. So yeah. Eventually, I stopped selling the shakes, and then I was severely underpricing what I should have been selling them. I was doing meal plans and workouts for like 50 bucks a month. Oh, eight wow. Years ago. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but yeah that, I didn't know what I was doing. But you know, you know better now, though, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And then from there, I ended up, I was looking on Facebook, and I saw a friend of mine from the meal prep company say how she had just made like 14 grand in one month from her coaching business. So of course I sent her a message and asked how she did it. She told me about an event out in California. I flew out to California with money I didn't have, put it on a credit card Mm -hmm. and decided that I was gonna learn how to do this. So when I get out there, the guy was like, all right, it's $5,000. Oh no, I had a phone call and it was five grand up front or it was six grand in two monthly payments. So I put on the credit card and flew out to California, learned how to build my business the proper way. And I came home in 90 days. I had made $62,000. Nice. Well done. So I was like, wow, I don't have to sell shakes anymore. I was working (laughs) at a gym. And at the same time I was working at a gym, I also owned my, I worked in Orange Theory Fitness for five years. Mm -hmm. And then I also owned a meal prep company. And I was selling anywhere from three to 400 meals every month that I would cook, weigh, and deliver for all of my clients. Oh, wow. So I was doing all three at the same time. That would keep you pretty busy, huh? I had no life. <laughs> <laughs> so I phased out the network marketing company. I phased mm-hmm. out um, the meal prep company. And then I just decided to go all in on my business and it just continued to grow from there. And then years, I had multiple variations of the business as I grew and learned more. And now I became, it's now limitless. So it's called Limitless Unlock Your Potential. Mm-hmm. So there are five keys, yeah. five keys I use to help you to unlock your limitless potential that we all have inside of you. Yeah, let's let's take a look at those. Yeah, t- take me through those keys, man. The first key is, is all about your health, your fitness, and your overall wellness. Mm-hmm. It's how do you feel when you wake up in the morning? Did you have a restful night of sleep or were you tossing and turning? Um, do you, are you eating properly? Do you like what you see in the mirror when you get out of the shower every morning? Do you, can you wear whatever in your closet? Do you have brain fog because you're eating the wrong foods? Are you working out? Are you eating properly? We spend about 80% of our time in that first key because 70% of the United States is overweight. So right. we need, there's a lot of people that need my help. 
The second key is all about your mindset and your mental performance. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's what do you want out of life? And about 95% of the people that I talk to that aren't entrepreneurs, they'll say, well, I don't want this. I don't want that. Well, that's great. I'm happy to hear that you don't want that, but you still haven't said what you do want. And mm -hmm. if you don't know what you want, congratulations, you're already well on your way to getting that or you're already there. So we help but them to. So many people overlook that bit. So many people overlook mm -hmm. it. They just go around in circles because they, they don't know where they want to go. They just, man, how do you how do you help them crack that? You, you got some uh, questions you ask them or? Any of that kind of stuff? Well, I actually have a, a, what I call the win the day journal. Mm -hmm. So each morning they have their, they have their routine that they put into place and it allows them. So remember earlier I said this, there's two reasons why people don't do something. It's because they think they're too busy or they know what to do, but don't know, but they don't, they know what to do, but they're just not doing it. Right. Right. Well, the reason why they, they're not doing it isn't because that they don't know what to do. The reason why is because they don't trust themselves. Because they've made so many promises to themselves every single day, and then they break those promises every day. You wake up at 5 a.m., snooze, you broke a promise. I'm going to start eating healthy. Then you go through the drive-thru at McDonald's. You broke your promise. I'm going to go to bed early tonight. You're up till midnight scrolling on the phone. You broke your promise. How many other small promises do you break to yourself on a daily basis? Ask yourself that. That's a, it's probably a lot, people, yeah. And the reason why people aren't, it's not motivation, it's because you just don't believe in yourself. You've done this to yourself for so long that you don't believe that you're gonna go through it. So instead of breaking your promise again, you just don't start. Because imagine this, if you had a friend that told you that they would be there for you, and that they would be, if you ever needed them to call you, they never showed up on time, never picked up the phone when you called. I mean, they could still be in your life, but you would definitely keep them at a distance, wouldn't you? Because you don't trust them. Of course, yeah. Well, people do are that friend to themselves every day of their life. And then they wonder why they don't trust themselves to do anything. It's mm. all underneath that. You have no confidence, no self-esteem. You don't believe that you're going to do the things that you're going to say you're going to do because you haven't done them. So that's why you think you're not motivated, but it's just you don't trust yourself. Wow. Yeah, I've never heard it uh, put like that before. That made a lot of sense. It did. You know, I recently. So what uh, I do. Yeah, sorry, go, go on. Ahead. No, you're good. There's just a little no, delay no, on the feed. No, go ahead. What, what, what do you do? <laughs> so I have what we call the win the day journal. So each one of the five keys that I have. Mm -hmm. is outlined in this journal and it allows them to check off little things and get little wins every single day and those little wins they add up they build their self-confidence each time they get a win so each time that they check something off each time they accomplish something they're building more wins they're building self-confidence they're building their self-esteem so they start trusting in themselves and doing the things that they say they're going to do so now they don't have this failure to launch problem mm -hmm. dude and it's it's so important to actually stop and write down positive things and write down wins that have happened so many people they get lost in the funk of what they're thinking in the current space and they think well i'm having a shitty day or i'm having a bad week but then you actually go back through the day and you look and you've wrote down five little wins you're like well 
I might just be having a shitty few minutes, but I've got this done today and I've got that done and I marked that off my list and I got my workout in and I've, I've already finished drinking my water for the day and you can start winning that, that day again. I mean, I think people really overlook the power of just taking a few minutes and writing shit down to reflect on how far we've come today or how far we've come this week because it's so easy to get caught up in the moment of the thing that's frustrating you or the thing that you're working on or the thing that's stolen all of your attention that we actually forget that we're checking off a lot of wins on the way. Yeah, but people need to be careful of the, of the wins that they check off because you have busy work and then you have things that move the needle. Mm-hmm. Think about this. People usually try to make a list of, let's say, my to-do list today is 10 things long. Mm-hmm. So let's say they mark off five of them. And then they're instead of celebrating those five wins, they beat themselves up because they didn't do the other five. Right. So what do they do? They take those five and then put it on the next day. So now you've got five extra things that you didn't mm. do from the day before added to the 10 things that you need to do for that day. So now you mark off seven of those and now you've got eight left over. So you beat yourself up for not getting all 15 yeah. done. And then eight and put it on the the next day so now you've got 18 things to do this is how people get so overwhelmed with oh my god i don't have time there's so much to do so then what do you do to to start marking things off the list i'm going to go get my dry cleaning i'm going to fill up my gas tank i'm going to go grocery shopping it's little things like that that they're like oh i got it marked off my list but it's not moving the needle that and they stay yeah well that was my next thing is when because I've been through this, right? So I consider myself somewhere on the other side of what it is that you're teaching. Um, but yet I want to be humble enough to still listen to what you're teaching. Because, I mean, it's it's bang on point. Um, you know, when I went through it, I, I would do the exact same thing. And I found that the items at the bottom of the list just weren't that important to me. And those ended up being the first things that as I was going through uh, delegating positions and creating uh operating procedures for my life those ended up being the things i got rid of first so having that overextended to-do list it allowed me to see that wait a minute i've bumped that four days in a row now and it's still on the list that's really not that important somebody else should be doing that you know so it it really did help man but i i love the 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 train of thought you've got um we we've probably read a lot of the same books (laughs) probably been through a lot of the same stuff you know what they always say entrepreneurship is a is a what is it a a personal development journey with a compensation plan attached to it so yeah i always heard it was like a mental illness (laughs) (laughs) that too (laughs) i'll work 100 hours for myself not to work 40 hours for somebody else (laughs) i you know i have a lot more fun with the entrepreneur thing than i than i ever did with the job um ever but you're right it is it's personal development with a corresponding paycheck like um the more i learn the more money i end up keeping and you know making money is an art form but keeping money is a science and uh, it takes a lot more discipline to keep money and, and and do the right stuff with it than it does to actually make it and i think you learn that in like chapter two of business you know if making money is chapter one Maybe losing money's chapter two, and then keeping money's chapter three. You know, <laughs> so, we all um, read that. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, it's, it seems like it's very common that we we've, we've all like you get started, you have a little success, and then boom, you hit that big speed bump, and you you don't know kind of where to go. But 
um, I think the longer you stick at it, you know, the easier the speed bumps get to uh, get to get to be to overcome. Um, I wanted to ask, you know, outside of I don't have time to do this because you coach like mental performance, mindset, relationships, career coaching and stuff. Um, I'm trying to give to the audience here a little bit. What's one of the most common problems you see in that space and, and how do you help your clients to take care of that problem? The biggest problem I see is actually the, the third key. It's all about relationships. Mm. So the biggest problem I see is people, the relationship that they have with themselves. Okay. They don't like themselves. They don't love themselves. They don't trust themselves. And the way that they treat themselves shows other people and it teaches them how to treat them. You're just so, so right. Mm-hmm. You're it so right. It all starts with you. And if yeah. you, and that's the biggest issue is people don't respect their self. They don't respect their time. And that's why they put themselves on the back burner and do everything else for everybody before them because they're not at the point where they're like, I matter. I come first because if I don't put myself number one, who's going to treat me number one? Nobody will. Yeah. So it's getting people to understand that. That's a really powerful statement there that I think may have just got overlooked. You said, if, if I don't treat myself as number one, who will? Like, for real, why would, why would anybody put you first if you can't put yourself first? Like, I, I never even thought of that. <laughs> it's the same, you can't pour from an empty cup, can you? No, not at all. No, sir. So we help them to start caring about themselves and, and learning more about who they are and why they do the things that they do. And then it's all about the relationships that you have because there's nothing more costly physically, financially, and mentally than bad relationships in your life. Mm-hmm. So the relationships that people have is they've got the relationship with their significant other, the relationship with their kids, the relationship with their extended family, the relationship with their friends who are the family they actually get to choose, and then the relationships with their coworkers or their uh, employees. And everyone always says that communication is the key. Mm-hmm. Communication is not always a key. And here's why I don't believe that. The reason why I don't believe that is I believe it's comprehension. Because if you spoke Spanish and I speak German and I hold this up, you know it's a water bottle. Mm-hmm. If I hold this up, you know it's headphones. Mm-hmm. But anything other than that, we're going to have to try to guess at what the other person is talking about because we're right. speaking a different language. So there's no comprehension. So without the comprehension, we don't have anything. And most people, they decide to listen just enough so they can respond, but never listen enough to understand. So I believe that once you truly have comprehension and you understand the other person, a lot of the simple arguments and disagreements and misunderstandings, they disappear because you take the time to actually listen and learn from the other person as opposed to just listening to what they say so you can respond. That's some really, really good advice. Uh, I find that listening is uh, a, a skill set that I'm still working on developing. It's listening with intent to understand as opposed to listening with intent to reply. They're, they're two very different ways to listen. I ask so many questions every single day because I want to understand where somebody else is coming from. Mm -hmm. Because there's a saying, a man or woman convinced against their will is of the same opinion still. 
Just because you argue with someone and can get louder than them and they stop talking doesn't mean they still believe you. They might just say, yeah, you're right, because they're tired of dealing with you because <laughs> they don't want to listen to you anymore. Yeah, yeah. I've ended a few discussions that way. It's just easier to agree than it is to, uh, <laughs> to listen anymore. But yeah, it makes total sense. Like having the ability to listen and, and empathize and, and respond intelligently as opposed to just listening and have to respond is, is like, that's a, a critical skill, man. And when I look back at some of the mistakes I've made uh, in management, especially in my late 20s when I got my first taste of running big crews, a lot of the mistakes I made were, were down to, an Ill, I, was, I was able to listen, but I was unable to hear. And it was uh, two very different things there. So thank you, man, for that. All right, I got a couple more questions, Cliff. I won't trespass too much further on your time. It's been a blast hanging out with you, man. Um, I am a huge proponent of continuing education. I believe in uh, higher education, further education, and all the education I can get. So to that end, I like to recommend books to my listeners. Uh, is there a good book or two that you've read recently that you could share with us? Oh man, the way the book that I read that changed my entire way of doing business, and I'm sure it's one most people have read, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Ooh, that's a good one. Let me write that down. I have not read that. So it talks about, you know how a lot of people will start with on the outside and they'll build down to um, the features and they'll, they'll explain why something's so great. Mm -hmm. Start with why it means they talk about what is your, what's the reason behind something? What is so great behind it? And they took as an example in the book, mm -hmm. they used IBM and they used Apple. IBM talked about how good their computers were, how great their operating systems were. Where's IBM now? And then Apple, it was, they built their company around people who were the, the misfits, the rejects, the people who were supposedly working, the outsiders, and they built their company based upon that as opposed to their operating systems and their software. So they built a tribe, they built a community, and then they sold their products to those people who identified with them. Yeah. So for me, going through this, it's just like, I want to help as many parents as I can stay alive so dads can walk their daughters down the aisle on their wedding day. Absolutely. So mom is able to, to talk to her son about parenting advice for her grandchildren. That's what I want to do because I'm never going to get that. And I right. know how painful it is. So I want to make sure nobody else has to deal with that because yes, we all know that a parent is going to pass away before a child does, but we do want our parents around as long as possible. So my goal is to have the parent be aware around for generations so they can see their grandkids or great grandkids. And the main thing is I don't have that. So I want to make sure that that type of pain that I've experienced isn't in anybody else's life. Dude, that is just such an incredible why, man. I mean, yeah, and you got that from, just from that book. That's such an that's an incredible reason, incredible motivation, man. So, um, you know, I want to ask now in the future, uh, coming up, what's next for for Cliff and for Limitless, man? What's coming up? 
Ah, uh, what's coming up? Come on, you uh, must have you must have some big plans. There has to be a book coming out by now because I'm I'm all over your Facebook. I'm looking at your websites. <laughs> there has to be a book. <laughs> I know I know you're gonna have a book coming, and if not, I need to poke you until you do. Um, I I could imagine some some live speaking and some some stage stuff coming up too. So yeah, what what do you what do you see for the future as yourself and for Limitless, man? Well, I am. I want to. I'm going to start a podcast, and I would love to have you as a guest on my podcast when I start it. My man, I'd love uh, to. Yeah, absolutely. And then I do want to do some public speaking. I really want to do a TED Talk, um, TEDx Talk, I should say. Mm-hmm. That would be something that I want to do. And then also, I have a, I have a sixteen, I have a sixteen week or twelve week program that I'm doing the Limitless. But then there's also the next level. So to start off with, it'll be a six-week, high-level teach you all about your body, all about your health, all about your fitness. And then from that six weeks, then if you're someone who I like to work with, and if you like to work with me, it's a vetting process. Then there's a year-long mastermind that we'll be getting into, and we'll cover all the five keys. The other two keys that we didn't talk about was being more present. That's the fourth one. That's for me, I there's people have sedation issues in their lives. Mine was alcohol. There's drugs, prescription illegal. Then you have um, guys that play video games because they don't like where they are in their life. Even so they mentally it. project out. Even picking they up the project phone. Out. And, yeah. And they become the hero in their own story. It's their own story. Then you have women who like uh, reality TV because they don't like their life and they like the drama. So they get themselves in there and they watch so much of it. They can pretend like that is an actual friend of theirs. You've got people that read books, guys, people that can quote every single um, every single word from a movie because it's their escapism mm-hmm. because they're not present in their daily life. And most of it comes from running away from something and they project to some place that's more comfortable. So instead of being present and fixing this shit that's going on in their life, they project out and go somewhere else. So it's about helping people to be more present because I know what it's like to drown yourself in the bottom of a bottle. Dude, I, yeah, I've been right there too. Like just hanging out with the worm, man. It, you know, one thing I think that, I don't think people forget it. I don't think they actually understand it is that you're the star of your own video game. You're your own hero. Whatever you manifest, whatever you focus on, whatever you want to bring to reality, you can. You just got to go and do it and put the reps in. And I think that sliding off into a movie or sliding off into a video game is their way of achieving that without the work. But man, I just want to hammer into everybody. If they knew what was on the other side of hard work, They'd be out there working. They'd be nowhere near the video games. They'd be designing their own shit. You know, that's. It, it feels like a secret, and I don't want it to be. Like <laughs> you, you're the star of your own movie. You just gotta, you gotta write the script and go act. That's it. And at any time, you can change the script with just the, with the pen that you hold in your hand. Yep, you can change the scenery. You can change the characters. You can change the vehicles. You can, whatever you want, man. They just, man, I, it feels like it's a secret. Like nobody understands it. So, um, yeah. Like, and then the biggest thing that I want to do as part of the mastermind is uh, Mike and she and I are both in health and fitness, mm-hmm. and we're gonna start doing retreats to somewhere in the Caribbean, Mexico. 
that people can join us for. And anyone that joins the six-week program, that's going to be at the end of the six-week program. Or if they come to the event first, then at the end of the, um, the retreat, then they can do the six-week program afterwards. So it's all about creating a lifestyle for people to do things differently than any other health and fitness program that's out there. But like I said, it starts off as health and fitness, mm -hmm. but it's so much more on top of that because the whole fifth key is all about your career. I can't tell you how to do your job better because you longer than I have. But what I can do is help you improve your health. What I can do is help you improve your mindset. I can help you to improve your relationships, starting with yourself and the people around you. I can help you be more present in your life. Mm -hmm. And once I help you with those things, all of the negative thoughts that are holding you back, everything that you have in the back of your mind that is distracting you from showing up and producing in your business, because you don't have business problems, you have personal problems which seep into your business and show up as production issues mm -hmm. because it's a lack of focus and concentration. So I help you remove those issues. What's going to happen to your business when you can focus? Oh, yeah. Your business takes Like, without a doubt. Yeah. Like, there's, a, there's such a difference in output and productivity from a focused, organized, healthy, optimized business owner than there is somebody just going through the motions and just trying to react to things as they arise, man. It's it's night and day difference. I mean, absolutely. You know, I hate to I hate to throw out life changing, but it's, it's definitely changed me over the last couple of years is, is having this organization, having structure and uh, having it all come together. Dude, I'm, I mean, I know I don't look as good as you, <laughs> but uh, I just wrapped up 75 hard, man. I'm in, the, I'm in the best shape I've been in in pretty much my entire adult life. And again, it's thanks That's to awesome. this. Congratulations. It's, well, it's my ninth try. Um, I had to finish it eventually, right? I couldn't keep quitting the whole time. But it, it's right back to what you're saying. It's, it's get your health right, get your fitness right, get your mind right, get your relationships right, and your business, it just kind of falls right in line with that. You know, It all goes together. The discipline you learn from getting your body in shape because you have 100% control of your body, unless you have some health issues that are out of your control, mm -hmm. the discipline that you learn will spill over into every other aspect of your life. Oh, without a doubt. Yep, yep. And especially I'd, I'd finish everything on 75 hard by 10 in the morning and just leave my second workout to do. I'm like, what do I do with my hands? There's so much free time. You know, you don't realize um, exactly what that discipline will do for you until you've been through it and done it. I'd highly recommend that to anybody, by the way. Yeah. And the better shape you are, the more money you're going to make because you're mm -hmm. more focused, you are more disciplined, you're more regimented. And so many entrepreneurs leave money on the table because they just don't see that how it affects every aspect of their life. And mm -hmm. one thing that most people won't talk about, but it's something that goes on all the time. You know, we're told not to judge a book by its cover, but <laughs> we're business owners. How do and we pick books? And we are meeting with someone and they look at us and they see that we aren't in control of our own body. Mm -hmm. What are they going to think about how we control our business? I know, it, I know it sounds like awful to say, but you're, you're absolutely right. There's, there's a preconceived thing in the animal brain in the back of your mind that goes, well, this guy's not taking care of himself. Is he taking care of his business? You know, like if this guy will if this guy will lie to me 
who else is he going to lie to? If this guy will stay, you know, this, this, you don't want to be like judging people and stuff, but how do we judge books? We judge books by their covers. How do we pick movies on Netflix? By the cover. Like it's, exactly. it's how we, we judge, even though we're told not to, it's something natural that I don't think we can, uh, that we can overcome. Um, Cliff, I got two more questions for you, then I'll let you go. We'll try and get this quick so we stay under the hour mark. Um, this is one question I ask to all my guests. It's my final question that, that I like to wrap things up on. Um, the show is aimed at guys that are a few years behind us in, in life and in business. And I always ask if you could go and talk to, to Cliff from five or ten years ago, maybe when you were struggling a little bit, what's one piece of advice that you'd give to yourself uh, back then? You cannot do it on your own. You need to hire a mentor. You need to hire someone that's been there before you because there's no need to reinvent the wheel. If somebody else has done it, then you can do it. Hiring a mentor, you're either going to pay in money or you're going to pay time. Mm -hmm. You can always make more money, but you can never get time back. So hiring a mentor helps you take time and compress it where you want to go faster. And so many people, like, I'm going to figure it out on my own. If you were going to figure it out on your own, you probably would have already done it. Mm -hmm. So why don't you just go talk to somebody who can show you the way and get there much faster? Because if you can get there faster, you're going to make that money back. And you don't have, it's an investment. And guys, we're business owners. You're a business owner. Hiring a mentor is a tax write-off. Yes. Yes. Man. Don't be stubborn and think that you can do it your own way. Ego tells you that you can do it, but you shouldn't do that. Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. Mm -hmm. It's a sign of strength because it shows you that you know where your limitations are and how to get past them so then you can be truly limitless. See what I did there? Dude, yeah. <laughs> but that was a total, total knowledge bomb, dude, because it goes against the conventional thinking of every entrepreneur. Like they start out with the attitude that they can do this, only they can do it. Well, why don't you why don't you delegate that to somebody? Well, they won't get it right. Only I can do that. And you know, I spent like fuck twenty years from you know having my own first little company at seventeen years old. I spent twenty years trying to figure it out before at thirty eight I finally ponied up several thousand dollars and hired a coach. And the growth I've seen in the last four years um it's been just night and day difference from like most entrepreneurs will either figure it out eventually or they'll get a concussion from banging their head against the wall in the same spot there's just no in between and dude having that coach and then like more coaches dude i spend a fortune on it now because i understand the value and the return that i get from it but that's just incredible advice i i wished i would have known to get a coach 20 years ago i would have done it first coach I got and it was the biggest lesson that I ever learned this is before zoom and everything it was a, a lady by the name of Danny Johnson and she had this cold calling stuff that she made us do and we had to call, call at least 600 people 700 people a week before wow. before zoom and we had a, a teleconference call and she called on me once and I'll never forget this and I tell people this all the time she told me she asked me that I do my homework 
And I said no. And I started to give her my reasons, which were nothing but an excuse. And she stopped me on this call in the middle with like 500 people on this call and was like, Cliff, I'm going to tell you this once and I hope that this sinks in. Excuses are nothing more than well-planned lies that we tell ourselves to justify our inactivity of the things that we know that we already should be doing. She is never correct. Mm, that was insane. I, I tattooed it on me right there. <laughs> I do. I have I have uh, FYE tattooed on me because it's, it's so easy to make an excuse. So easy. And then you're like, well, it's not really an excuse, but it's the reason. And you're like, well, that's not really acceptable either. I guess I should go and do this, you know, and get it done. So, but man, Cliff, I feel like I could talk to you for another two hours, man. We've got a lot of, lot of subjects that I haven't even touched on. I'd love to run shows back uh, when you get yours uh, launched. Uh, my final question, sir, as well as saying thank you for spending the time with us, is where can the guys that have enjoyed this podcast, where can they follow you online? Well, there's a couple of places you can follow me. The best place is going to be my Facebook page. It's uh, www.facebook.com backslash Cliff with one F, C-L-I-F-J Brooks, B-R-O-O-K-S. And then uh, you can find me on Instagram. I don't use it as much as I should, but it's Cliff underscore, or I'm sorry, it's Limitless underscore Potential underscore cliff brooks see i don't even really know my own Instagram. <laughs> that's how much i use it well, but i'm working on it but the the main thing for those of you that would like to reach out and find out how i can help you with your health your wellness your fitness and help you to springboard your life into the next level and unlock your limitless potential limitlesslegacywellness.com is where you can find me at wonderful dude we'll get all these links up in the show notes as well and guys if you go to his facebook page you'll see that amazing picture of him in a half suit and a half not suit and he, he looks like a cross between the the terminator and uh, vin diesel he's just man i i love what you got put together cliff i think that you are going to be uh, an up-and-coming superstar in the world of personal development so uh, thank you for spending the time with us on the show today man i really appreciate it Thank you for having me. I appreciate the, appreciate you inviting me. It is my pleasure. My pleasure. All right, guys. Uh, that was Cliff Brooks. Cliff with one F. We'll put all the links in his show notes. Um, please, if you've enjoyed what he had to say, you go tag him on Instagram. Share this show out. You can tag us at Small Business Surgeon and uh, show him some love. Go follow his socials. And uh, if you need the kind of service he offers, maybe you're getting a little bit soggy around that midsection and haven't been able to pull off 75 hard by yourself, look him up and uh, see how Cliff can help you. That's going to be it from me for today. Um, you can tune in next uh, this Friday and catch me on the next episode of Friday Fire. Other than that, you'll be good. Stay safe and have a great week. I'll see you soon. This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you've made it this far, you clearly like it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in historic downtown Bryan, Texas. 
Check them out at TXFoundry.com or on social media at TXFoundry. Thanks for tuning in.